0: Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Taxley offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxley show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxley.com to learn more. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office
1: News. I'm JT Smith, editor-in-chief of the Front Office News. All
0: right, fellas, you know what we have to do first and foremost, we have to recap the Crosstown shootout. The Bearcats lose to Xavier 80 to 77. JT, I know you're ready. Give us your thoughts and breakdown. Man, tell the two halves, man. Tell the two halves.
1: Uh if they could have bottled up that first half, if they if they would have only been down 10 In the first half, I think they win that game by 10. You know what I mean? Uh, But it is what it is. That's how it goes in a shootout, man. I feel like DeJulius had a heck of a game. The refs got to let that one go to overtime, too, man. I talked to a couple of OG Bearcats um, as well. They felt like that's one of those ones. You got to let play on, let them boys settle in overtime. Mm -hmm. Straight up, dude winning the helm with one point-something seconds left. Uh, you You can't call that, man. I just don't think you can call that one. So I'm a little pissed about that. But then I'll just then at the Harris high 2020, they had a couple of chances to get get in closer before um the four-point play by the Julius. So it's kind of like you, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of burnt them at the end. But I, I think the refs have to hold that whistle right there and let them boys play that five minutes and see what happens.
0: So JT in the first half, why why did we get down so much? It came out. I mean, they came out on fire. Um, what it was 13
1: 0, 13 1, and we shot some bad shots too. Like we shot some bad shots. Um, uh, besides, okay, maybe they hit a couple. Don't force it, just get work it work and get the good shot. Um, it definitely wasn't Jeremiah Davenport's best game for sure. Uh Nolly didn't have a great first half, um, which you know, he was my guy that had to have a good game, but then when he opened up in the second half and just start making plays, you saw how they were able to do stuff. Um Vic had a consistent game. I thought he played very well, but he did get those two fouls. You know, early so that didn't help as well. Um but Odie played a hell of a game. He was off the radar nobody really nobody really um spoke about him. I know me and Neil talked about that off the record. Um and the Julius man he, he I mean if they would have won that game, that would have been one of the, like the greatest Crosstown performances, at least in the last 10 years that I've seen from a Bearcat, um, easily. Like just for him making that four point play, they could have gotten overtime and won. Dude, even still, I still think it's one of the best crosstown performances for a UC player, but it just would have meant so much more if they could have got that dub. But I mean, I just think he played a hell of a game. He deserves his props,
0: even in a loss. Yeah. Uh, Neil, your thoughts yeah
2: I mean as JT mentioned that 13 to 1 start there really wasn't ideal but I mean you look back at that 13 to 1 there was the kickball that just happened to get kicked to a wide open Colby Jones knocks down a three right away so that was kind of the momentum spark there I mean you probably could have called it a kickball but reality was it wasn't called But that 13 to 1 kind of run to start the game is what really negligated things early and then you had to kind of play from behind but Overall, you have to be proud of the performance uh, that they willed back from a 17 point deficit in the second half. I mean, Xavier is a top 10 scoring team in the country. And then you come out of the second half and put 53 up on them. I mean, you got to be proud with that. Uh, it was just kind of like that Arizona game. You make their second half adjustments. Uh, but really, what stood out to me the most was the plays, as JT mentioned, of David DeJulius and Odio Guama played some very significant minutes off the bench there when. Vic got in foul trouble and I mean overall like the energy from Odie is tenacious and we've all seen it but what he was able to do I mean overall I wasn't yeah Jack Nungy finished with 18 but I wasn't too impressed with him in the paint like I was last season when he put up 30 and 15 on us but overall I mean I thought Vic was Vic and Odie were dominating Nungy but you just had to overcome that early run and they couldn't do that if we cut that run I mean I think it's a like JT mentioned, a 7-10 to 10 ball game, and it could have gone the other way.
0: Now, Neil, um, during the first half, when, when Xavier was making that run on us, were you like, oh, Lord, this is going to get ugly? Like the second half, this could get really, really ugly.
2: No, not really, because as many of us have really noticed, the crowd was not really there the first half. It was there. But the second half came, and once they went on that 16 to 8 run to start the second half, that crowd was electric. Like, that was probably one of the best crowds in all of Fifth Third Arena that I have covered in my four years at UC and covering this team. That crowd was probably the best. And I mean, once they got rolling and got to cheering after that 16 to 8 run, that crowd, like, you could see why Fifth Third Arena is one of the most electric atmospheres in all of college basketball.
0: Yeah, well, I think the first half, Neil um, Xavier, took the crowd out of it with that with that big run. I think the crowd was amped up, ready to go at the start, but then boom, got punched in the mouth and kind of took the crowd, you know, out of it. But when we started storming back late in the second half, I, I, I agree with you that that crowd was unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> you know, some some thoughts that I have just to kind of piggyback what you guys were saying. Obviously, you can't get down seventeen at half. I don't care who you play. Um, because you have to expend so much energy coming back, right? So in the second half, there were times where we cut it to five, we cut it to six, and then Xavier would have a couple buckets. And then they would extend the lead. And then, so we spent a lot of energy, I think, trying to come back. But, and JT, I, I do agree with you. I think if we go to overtime, we win that basketball game. Yeah. And, and here's why. That crowd, man, was crazy. I think Xavier was a little rattled defensively. I think Sean Miller said something about that. Um, You know, kind of close out that game. They were a little bit rattled. UC had kind of figured out a couple things, and I think you know it's a home game. The momentum was going our way, and if we would have made it to overtime and win that basketball game, I do think it goes. It would have gone down as one of the. Well, the shootout's always wild, but one of the great performances, I think, um, and comeback performances uh, in a shootout. So um, I do want to ask you guys, at the time when you were watching the game in real time, did you understand what Wes was doing with the timeout that became a technical?
2: I did. I did. Because when it happened, so everyone around me in media Row was kind of confused by it besides, like, two other people. And then once it happened, the people I was next to, I was like, they're like, Did he just call a timeout with no timeouts? I was like, Yeah, but think about it. He gets the ball back. You set him up for two free throws with 1.4 seconds left potentially, or just under one second, compared to because everyone knew Xavier was missing that free throw. You knew Sean Miller called that timeout to tell Sully Boom, hey, you're missing this free throw. You're missing it no matter what. And they're going to either A have to force up a 85 foot heave or you could call that timeout once you got the rebound take the technical foul and go down 3 cuz no matter what either shot was going to be a 3 you weren't going to get a layup out of that situation unless you complete that full court heave but overall ever I knew it just from sitting there because I was like hey you got 1.4 seconds left he's missing this free throw that was kind of the mentality thinking but once he called that timeout he knew he even told us after the game in the presser that he knew that he went to the lead official and said, hey, if I take this timeout, if I call this, will we for sure get the ball back? And the ref clarified to him that said, hey, yeah, you'll get the ball back. So he had the timeout planned. He, they took it. So it gave him the time to set up the free play. Overall, it was a strategic play.
0: Yeah, I, I so that was popular in the NBA. Um, at one point, and I think yeah. the NBA got rid of that rule because yeah. they looked at it as a kind of a loophole within the within the rule. But I, I do remember in the 90s that was done quite a bit. So I, I am familiar with that. One one thing that I saw on JT, I'll let you l- yeah. let you get your thoughts. Um, one thing that I did see to to what you're talking about, Neil, is I saw West running over to the refs and, and I, well, the lead ref and the one lead ref was going like this. Mm-hmm. And. At the time, I obviously, I didn't know what they were talking about, but obviously he was telling you, like, you have no timeouts. And, you know, that's when the conversation occurred. So um, it's funny because everyone around me had no idea what was going on, why he got the technical blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It took me, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it took me a second to kind of grasp everything and go, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it did take me a minute. JT? Yeah, same. It took me a second. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe
1: because the thing was like when he got the rebound and he like knew they didn't had that much time, he probably could have got one dribble and he had to let it go. Essentially, maybe two. But um then I was like, Why would he do that? I'm like, then I was like, ah, oh, it must be the technical must be where they get the ball back. I am like, yeah. like, that's smart. That's smart because like he gave you a chance to actually have a set play. They they tipped it, of course, but at the same time. Like if Xavier would have been confused, because that's something that you really don't I don't think you really, really would practice that. So like I could see how like maybe if it was just one of those quick moves, boom, boom, make the free throw to get it. Sean Miller did a good job of pressing and putting Nunji there, right? That was Nungy, right? Or the free on one. Yes, of those That was Nunji, yeah. right? Nungy on the inbound. Um, Nunji on the inbounds. That was smart on him. Cause if he was slow to that and allow allow the um inbounds person to get a free look. I mean, I think it, is, it has a real good chance to to work, or at least get the Bearcats a quality shot, which it was like a hell of a thing to think on the fly. You know what I mean? So, um, by, yeah. by um by West. So that that was
0: a hell of a, a call. So thoughts on um, Coach Satterfield coming out and addressing the crowd? JT, hey. Man, you, you knew what was going to happen, man. I just wish it would have been oh, the
1: Bearcats. I wish the Bearcats would have won. That's the only thing. Besides that, man. It's all good. I'm I'm, I'm happy with what he's doing. So, we just got to see what team we have in the spring. That's all I care about. That's all I care okay. about.
0: Yeah. Neil, did he hype you up when he said, uh, let's go beat Egg Xavier? <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, overall, the whole speech was phenomenal. I mean, the crowd was kind of out of it when he came down. Because we're down, I think it was. 16-5 to five when he came out, roughly, if I remember right. He came out, he hit all the talking points. He mentioned the Big 12, Coach Combs coming back, how excited yep. he was to be here. And then once Coach Combs' got, name got dropped, the crowd went nuts. That brought the crowd alive. And then he mentioned the big old, let's beat Xavier. And once he did that, the crowd got back into it. So I thought overall him coming out at, and giving that speech was a very good speech from Coach Satterfield.
0: Yeah, it it, it was good to see the Bearcat fan base really stand up and give him a nice applause. That was really really good to see. So, um, last thing I want to say real quick is um, last podcast, obviously we previewed the crosstown shootout, and Tim Daniel, <clears throat> excuse me, joined us, and um, I think we need to give uh, Tim a shout out, not only for joining us but also send him um, our condolences to him and his family um his father recently passed away and um you know tim's a friend to all you guys and myself and in the show and um you know that's that's a tough time so we want to send our condolences to uh, tim daniel you're listening to the bearcat tip-off talk podcast presented by tax now we want to remind all the bearcat fans out there to visit meals pizzeria at 2634 short vine before and after all bearcat football and basketball games Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Mios for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Now let's jump into the Big O segment sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. Now in this segment, we cover players to watch in key matchups. Tonight, 7 p.m., the Bearcats take on Miami of Ohio at Fifth Third Arena. Miami is currently 4-5 and five on the season. So JT, I'm anxious to hear... Who you say needs to step up tonight and play well for the Bearcats after this crosstown shootout? So I know you've been thinking about it. Let's go. All right, man. I'm
1: gonna go back with Nolly. Go with Landers again, but I want to see him have a two halves. This this game against Miami Ohio. It's another home game. I like how he finished the game against Xavier. I want him to ride that momentum and uh, impose his will. Half about eighteen between fifteen and twenty and, you know, very efficient, you know what I mean? And, and it'd be attack, three ball, go to the hole, mid-range, do all do all of it. So um, that that's
0: what I'm rolling with on, on this one. Hey, Neil, who do we need to watch out for from Miami that could cause some problems for the Bearcats?
2: Yeah, so Miami is actually a team that comes in averaging 75.2 points per game as they shoot 43% from the field as a team. But this Miami team's uh, pretty – pretty unique team they love to shoot the deep ball and I mean that's something we've seen with Travis Steele and his teams in the past at Xavier uh, and his last I believe four years uh, coaching the Musketeers but they love to shoot the deep ball and it all starts with guard Makai Larry who is averaging 15.7 points per game and he's a fifth year graduate uh, point guard but the thing is with Makai Larry he's only five foot eight so a guy like David DeJulius should be able to Kind of take him off the dribble a little bit and really uh, create some space. We all know how good his step back and his turnaround jumper is. But that's a little fun matchup to watch with the height difference. But they also have a guard, Morgan Safford, who is averaging 14.8 points per game and 5.2 rebounds while shooting nearly 54% from the field. But the guard play for Miami is averaging almost Thirty points a game, so we know their guard play is stellar. We know they like to shoot the deep ball, but they also have forward Anderson Marianne Bokes, who is averaging thirteen points on nearly forty six percent from the field.
0: You're so good with these names, Neil. <laughs> JT, you know he stays up at night and practices those, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> the segment is Sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. Now, I need to give a couple shout outs. Um, I try to when I do a little bit of research on the team, we're getting ready to play. Obviously I'm a little more familiar with uh, Miami of Ohio versus, you know, maybe a Brian or some other schools, but I'm um, always like to give the local guys a shout out. And of course, head coach Travis Steele. Um, I know very, very well, former Xavier coach. Um, also Travis Steele coaches um, in my shining star program. He coached our third grade team last year. And I'm going to tell you, um, Travis really is a tremendous person. He's a really, really good guy. He did a great job coaching our third grade team and our kids, man. Our, our, our parents loved him. Um, also, um, uh, a couple guys on the team currently, Mitchell Riley. Um, Mitchell went to Cubcalf. Uh He's a big, uh, really, really good kid. You know, he he's battled a lot of adversity. A um, little fact about Mitchell. I interviewed him. Um when he was finishing up high school um, both his mother and father passed away they died when he was in high school so he's pretty much lived his you know high school or played his high school basketball without a mother and father kid's been through a lot but man you wouldn't know that if you just sat and talked with him I mean, he's so positive uh, just a tremendous kid another kid is Curtis Harrison on Miami now he's injured I don't believe he's back playing yet, or I don't know if he'll be back this season, but uh, he went to Seven Hills High School. I've known Curtis for a long time. Great little fun fact about Curtis. He started a nonprofit um, with a couple other guys that went to Seven Hills with him. Uh, I think it was called Soul Brothers, where they collected shoes, and they sent them over to different parts of the country to help out those kids that struggled with shoes in impoverished areas in Africa and, different places i think one time he went to like he was on like like kelly Clarkson's show or something like that for, for this so uh curtis is a really neat kid man he's got a very very bright future um uh, Carl richburg who was an assistant on the staff he played at uh mason high school tremendous high school basketball player um and played at miami as well as a point guard so um, a lot of a lot of Cincinnati ties there. So Neil, I want to jump back to you, and I want to ask you. I know you touched a little bit on the offense for Miami in terms of you know they're gonna they're really guard heavy offensively, but can you dive into a little bit more what we'll see offensively from them? You know, in a forty minute game, and then also defensively, are they gonna are they gonna heat it up full court? Are they gonna press us? So you know, what are we looking at tonight?
2: I think overall, you're going to look at a team who's going to come out. They're going to be They're going to be that nitty-gritty team. Obviously, everyone has watched Travis Steele's teams in the past. They do the dirty work. They love to get physical. They love to really space the floor out. They love to kind of beat you down. They like to really get downhill and attack. But overall, I really expect this team to come out and shoot the three ball, try to get going from behind the arc early. But if they can't do that, I look for them to really kind of establish the game inside, try to get something going inside. But overall, if they can't get anything going with their two guards, it's gonna be a long night for Miami, in my opinion. I just know that with an undersized guard at five foot eight versus talented and long athletic Bearcats team like we have, whether it's guys like Daniel Skilling's, Jeremiah Davenport, Landers Nolly, David DeJulius, Vic, uh, Vic and Odie down in the paint. I mean, it's gonna be a battle. I mean, I just don't expect it to be a fifty-nine, fifty-eight game like it was last year. But overall, this team will come out, and they will not be scared to shoot the ball, and they'll have the confidence to shoot from anywhere on the court. Neil, do you think it'll be a little bit higher-scoring game?
0: Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think it'll be a higher-scoring game for sure. Okay. All right. Um, before I forget, so I forgot to shout out my guy, Rob Summers, who's also on staff from Miami. You can't miss him. Dude's like seven feet tall. Um, he played at West Virginia. He actually played for Beeline, and then Hugs came in. So he's really close with Hugs. Um, actually, Rob is, is pretty good friends with a lot of uh, former Bearcat players just through the connection with Hugs. Rob played overseas with former Bearcat great Eric Hicks. And I tell you what, I can't talk about this now, but Rob has some great stories about Eric Hicks. And if you know Eric Hicks, man, that dude is entertaining, man. I'm going to talk about Eric a little bit later in the podcast. The Big O segment was sponsored by Donahoo Accounting Services for friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it. Come to Donahoo Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahoo Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online donahooaccountingservice.com. You're listening to the Bearcats Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. This is the Kenyon segment sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. Now, JT, throwing it back to you, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Man, shoot good shots,
1: impose their will on Miami of Ohio. Uh, can't can't uh, let this loss to Xavier linger. Go ahead, punish Miami of Ohio at home and get him out the paint, man.
0: Man, you were on it. Boom, yeah.
1: boom. Yeah, just going straight forward. I'm going for the kill, man. That's what the Bearcats got to do do tonight.
0: <laughs> Bearcats need to do like JT. Go for the kill. Go for the kill. Neil, what does Miami need to do to win?
2: Take, As JT mentioned, they have to take good shots. They have to find a rhythm early. Uh, obviously, we know if you go cold, it's not going to be a good game. But overall, I think Miami will have to find a rhythm offensively early, whether it's inside outside really they have to find a way to get stops on defense obviously they're a smaller team the Bearcats really have the height advantage so if they can get some stops on defense and look to push the ball in transition get those open threes get uh downhill and attack could be a good game but if they can't get the stops on defense obviously it's going to be a hard time containing uh big Vic and everything they got to stay out of foul trouble too and it all starts with Anderson uh But if he stays out of foul trouble on a guy who's as physical as Vic, whose uh, energy is through the roof, likes to crash the boards, really uh, get those offensive rebounds. But if he can't really contain Vic, I think it's going to be a long night. Bearcats could uh, do some damage in the paint.
0: Neil, I think you're spot on from a standpoint that Miami's going to attack to try to get us in foul trouble because they don't match up player to player with us, especially five. You know, the first five, I think they're going to try to get into our bench and maybe find some, you know, weaknesses within that. Um, but you know, I wonder, you know, Neil, from a Bearcat standpoint, do you do you push it and attack Miami or do you slow it down, kind of work through the size that the size advantage that we have or is it a happy diet of both? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I would love to say a happy diet of both. I mean, obviously anytime you can get out to running and you take those good shot selections, Everyone knows how dangerous this team could be. But overall, I think if you can slow the game down in the half court, really kind of wear them down defensively, whether it's inside, play inside out, or really look to establish the ball inside, to guys like Odie, Vic, Kalou, if you play that inside game, it's going to be there. But reality is you have to take the good shot selections early. So they can take the good shot selections and get some things to fall early and get in that early rhythm and really – get off the offense going early I think they'll be fine but overall it starts with the uh, play if you can really get settled down in the half court play inside and then turn around and get some stops on defense I think it'll be a good game for the Bearcats
0: now now, JT one thing that I noticed with the Xavier game I knew it was going to be a physical game high energy game and I think that played into Odie's hand like that's a perfect game for Odie physical you gotta play with a lot of energy. Um, what what do you expect to see from Odie this game?
1: Man, that's crazy. Uh Odie was like the X Factor we didn't talk about. Um, I didn't expect him to have that kind of a game, but it fit because it was that type of gr- muddy game that he can excel at. I mean, if Miami wants to play ugly, I think Odie will be will do something similar than he did against Xavier. If not, then it might be more of a Trying to see it might be, I mean, Josh, he got some burn, but it might be more of a Josh Reed game more so than me, uh, I think. But um, just depends on how Miami wants to attack it. I don't think they want to get too, they might want to slow it down, but uh, I don't know. They might, they might not because they score a lot of points. They know they don't have the size consistently to bang with you see. So I think they probably want to speed it up. And I think that might, that if they speed it up and they're successful, I think it's more of a Josh Reed game.
0: Um, personally. So we'll see. The Kenyan segment is sponsored by Greg Hood at Beachmont Toyota. So, so one of the things that I personally would like to see fellows is the Bearcats to put together a 40 minute game mm. against, you know, an opponent like Miami, not mm. a weaker opponent because Miami is competitive. They're going to be competitive. Travis is going to make those kids play hard from the beginning to the end of the game. I've been to several Miami games this year. They do not stop playing. But we need a 40-minute game from the tip to the buzzer from this Bearcat team. Um, And and I would like to see – okay, the big three. Have we had the big three – when I say big three, I'm talking about Juice, uh, Landers, and Vic. Have all three of them been clicking at the same time in a game this year? Uh, Maybe one of the first games. Maybe. Honestly, no. Maybe. I, I don't I don't the fact that we can't remember yeah, tells yeah. us it's not right there. Yeah. So and I think I think this is why this game is really crucial. So if the big three get clicking, develop some momentum, um, you know, these next couple games, you know, LaSalle and um, you know, leading into what conference plays against Tulane coming up yeah. soon, uh, we gotta get some things moving. We gotta fix things because there's there's been games and J- JT. Your thoughts on this. There have been games where, if you take short snapshots of that game, maybe the Arizona game, second half of Xavier, other parts where you're like, this is a good basketball team. Yeah. And get the Ohio State, we get the KU, and you're just like, my Lord, like what? You know, it's like we don't know which group we get. So finding that 40 minute game tonight and then that consistently uh, consistency followed through the next couple of games. For
1: sure, man. Um, they have to because if you look at this team, okay, you could take the Xavier game on the chin. You just What makes you mad about the Xavier game is you let them get up 17, right? But then the NKU game is they score 11 points, and it's like this team, then after that, scores almost 100 points against Arizona, who's a top-tier team, and then you – Crap the bed against Nku and it's like how like how how do you do that like Nku, no disrespect. They, I mean Horn is running a hell of a program over there, but even when you even without West having all his guys, you expect to win that by fifteen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. So and then how they came back in the second half against Xavier, it's like man, y'all just could have played thirty five minutes against Xavier. I think you win that game. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't let them jump out. Maybe they got a six-point lead, eight-point lead, um, and you can win that. But if they can do that against Miami, Miami's going to be a scrappy team. Um, Still is definitely familiar with the Bearcats, right? <laughs> definitely we'll familiar, right? Um, won a lot of games against them, so it's not like he's going to come in blind and just looking strictly at the scouting report. He's going to know because he's played. He knows how what the Bearcat brand of basketball is, so um, he's going to be real prepared, so if they can beat Miami, I'm pretty sure they'll be a tough team. Just in general, I mean, they even been, even before he stepped on the scene, they've been a scrappy team. So I know somebody of his caliber, they'll probably even take the next level. So this would be a very strong win for them. It's not going to be anything that's going to boost their NCAA stuff, but it's something that if if the big three get to going, it's going to be something they can carry momentum in um, into before
0: the um, start of conference play. The Kenyon segment keys to the game was sponsored by Greg Hoddin at Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hoddin at Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hoddin at Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. Now this is where we cover hot topics. Now, I've seen this. Somebody tweeted this at me, and I was really confused. And I'm like, you know, sometimes, you know, fans are emotional. That's why they're called fanatics. Um, Sometimes people overreact. But I had some people tweeting at me and tweeting in general, like Wes Miller's on the hot seat. So I I was thinking, hot topic. I want to get your guys' opinion on the job that Wes Miller and his staff are doing right now. So, JT, let's we'll start with you. All right, man. Um,
1: I think they're doing good, man. It's just he took over a hell of like the thing is people expect excellence from the Bearcats program, which is understandable. But what he took over was a, a dumpster fire. Like it wasn't a lot of people that I think would have been able to take that over and keep it manageable and actually win a few games. Um, I mean, I don't think – Honestly, he hasn't got all his players in here yet. You, you can tell that the the um, team is turning over, though. It's like half and half. So, at the end of the day, like, people just got to be patient, man, and let him go. I think he'll get better transfers just off the strength of them being in the Big 12, too. It's a hell. I mean, who doesn't want to play, possibly play, and play quality minutes in the best basketball conference in the, in the NCAA? So, um, I think people just got to relax, let let them do his thing, you know, see how this season ends. But I don't think no, – I mean, anybody talking about a hot seat, that's just people just being fanatics in general. But um, I guess people just want to – I guess only thing I can say, like many hey, people are just trying to see, like, I guess the identity of the team, which I think the second half of the Xavier team, the guys that need to step up did, and that kind of gave – with me even taking out the media part of, of, of it, I feel like it gave me a lot of comfort just seeing how they played and how they battled, you know what I mean? Cause they could have laid down, like, like, you know, I said, are they going to get blown out by 34 again with, with Ken in the building? You know, at half, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um shows, you know, I know Ken went in there and lit them up though, <laughs> but at the same time, Wes, Wes is doing what he has to do, you know what I mean? Because he could have not did certain things and, you know, allowed to get out of hand, but he didn't. So the people gotta chill, man. He's getting the recruits in there. Skilling has great upside. Um, Josh Reed looks like he's gonna be a one of the one of the steady Eddie guys and possibly a college star to me. Um Sage, we gotta, you know, he's still open, but at the same time, he has to size in with Mike Wrightfield. I mean, I think the sky's the limit for that guy. You can tell he has talent. Just he's a smaller kid right now, but they're letting him play a little bit sometimes. And then you got Jizzle and Von, and you get a couple other kids in there, and then a couple good couple transfers. You know, they can be cooking with hot grease, man. You can see the core is starting to develop right now. So it's people just gotta relax and just uh, hopefully you can win enough games to keep the fanatics crazy. You know, not as crazy, but it's just people. Um just don't look at it logically sometimes, man, and just look at it as we lost. And then they think about, you don't think about the team growing and other stuff and the injuries that hit and stuff like that. So it's just hell of a thing, man. It's hell of a thing.
0: Well, think about this too, JT. The Bengals started off, what, losing the first four. They one, they were like one and two at one point, and yeah. people were jumping ship. You know, yeah. this is a, off the Super Bowl yeah. run. They're like, you know, they didn't get a lot of work together. Joe Burrow was – was uh, um, he wasn't injured, but he had an appendix, right? Yeah, And appendix, the yeah. O-line didn't work together. So it was going to be a matter of time. The NFL is a long grind, and people were jumping off and saying the season's over. <laughs> yeah, true. About the Bengals, you know, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. So, you know, it is a long season. Um, and I, I do want to give a shout-out. There were quite a few former players in the building. You mentioned one already, JT uh, yeah. Kenyon Martin, and it's always great to have uh, one of our goats in the building, and especially, sure. and he just has this aura of greatness, you know, about him, and, and just a tremendous dude. His sons are doing well. His family's doing well. Um, son plays for the Rockets, exactly. which is yeah. crazy because I remember when little KJ was around as a little baby, and and now he's playing with the Rockets. Uh, We also had uh, Steve Logan uh, was in the building. Uh, Curtis Bostick was in the building. Of course, uh, DeMar Johnson's on staff. Uh, Lenny Stokes, another great um, in the building. And I'm going to put this out there. Uh, Neil has no idea who this is, but Lloyd Batts was in the building. Neil, do you know who Lloyd Batts is?
2: I looked him up after... Wes oh, told us in the press, I had to look him up. Yeah, I mean, played in the 70s. I'm a I'm a 99 kid, so it's a little before my time. So I did have
0: to look him up. Well, I hope when you Googled, you saw the afro, right? I did see the afro. Did indeed. So not only was Lloyd Batts one of the great players to ever wear the Bearcat uniform, he had the best afro in the history of UC basketball. And I told him that. That's the first time I ever met Lloyd Batts. I'd always seen pictures of him, you know, growing up. I heard about him growing up. And then when I was playing for the Bearcats, they got, you know, pictures on the walls in the office of former greats and his pictures on the wall. And he had this big, big, giant, crooked afro. And when I met him for the first time, I'm like, man, you you have the greatest afro in the history of Bearcat basketball. Man, he busted out laughing. He's like, man, everybody loved my fro. But Lloyd Batts definitely was a uh, great player for the Bearcats. Now, Neil, um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, to your thoughts on Wes Miller.
2: I think Wes Miller is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, as JT mentioned, you kind of saw what he had to come in and do. I mean, he came into a team that only had, I believe, if I remember correct, five players on the roster after the mass uh, mass exodus, Sounds the transfer right. portal, And then he had to not only recruit his guys, but he had to recruit those guys back to that team for that year. So you think about everything he had to overcome and all that, in that year one, I mean, everything was against him at that point. You had to go into the recruiting. You had to recruit the guys back to the team who left. Then he had to bring his guys. And by the time he was hired, it was spring. So you only had roughly about, what was that, two and a half, three months to really – get everything, A, get those guys back, build your staff, and then you have summer workouts. You had to do all that in a short period of time, all of scenario in a new school that you are moving across the country for. But overall, I think West is doing a phenomenal job. As JT mentioned, he's recruiting the right guys. He just got Rayvon Griffith, a local talent to stay home, who is a top 50 player in the class of 2023. Then you also go down to Florida and you get – Jizzle James, another top 50 player in the class of 2023, all to come here. And then on top of that, you have guys like Dan Skills, top 50 player in the class of 2022. Josh Reed, another top 100 player in the class of 2022. He's recruiting the right guys. And when he's out there recruiting, you can see what he is throwing out there. And it is being in the pressers, being around him, There is a reason why these kids want to play for Wes Miller. And this was a quote he used after the Crosstown shootout. The full quote says, I can't tell you how bad I want it for our team and for people who support this program. For the people who have played and coached in this program, I can't tell you how bad I want it. I want us to get to where we're supposed to be as a Cincinnati basketball program. I don't say the words I promise a lot, but I promise we'll freaking get there. And I mean, we'll get there or I'll damn be in a grave. It's that simple. We'll get there. You look at that building tonight and you want it so bad for those people. They deserve it. You want it so bad for these kids. They deserve it. We will get there. That quote right there shows that he is understanding the history of Cincinnati basketball.
0: Um, Excellent points, Neil. Um, a lot of things that I was going to jump into here in a second. But before I do that, um, JT, I think we need to give a shout out to Neil. Neil just graduated.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, we gotta make some noise for that, man. Yeah, Yo, oh, man, Neil. some noise for Neil, man.
0: Some thank Neil. you guys, thank you guys. C- Congratulations. Uh, h- how do you feel?
2: I feel great, man. I mean, the stress is off my back. No more classes.
0: <laughs> Are you nervous <laughs> about the next stage?
2: Uh, not really. I've just kind of got to let things go, and everything will handle it. You just got to take it day by day. You can't. Rush into things. You can't worry. I'm one of those people who just like to take things day by day. So whatever comes next, I'll look forward to it. And I know whatever happens will be whatever happens, happens.
0: Sounds like you're in a press conference right now, Neil. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, Now, JT, for those fans out there that are listening to the podcast, we're actually doing it on Zoom so we can see each other. The fans can't. But correct me if I'm wrong, JT, but almost every time we've done the podcast, Neil has a different look. Like he's got a beard one time, yeah. Shaving. Yeah. Faces yeah, of Neil for sure. You see need that? To make a, yeah.
2: Need to make a meme collage of it.
0: We we might, <laughs> might we have might have to. Too. We already got one meme of of JT.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't that's crazy. that we got caught, but I was like, "But dude was, <laughs> dude no. was asking some hella bad yeah. questions, man. That was hilarious. you were you're about to bust him up." No, I wasn't, um, but I, I guess my, my, uh, my, <laughs> my face said I was though. So like, man, that'd be crazy. But yeah. uh, well, well, let me give you my
0: thoughts <laughs> on Wes. So, so my thoughts on Wes, um, I love the direction of this basketball program. I love Wes's passion. And for me, when you're building a program, you can't put it in a microwave, you have to put it in the oven, right? You got to slow bake it. That means the longevity of success is going to be there. And I'm, I'm excited for what he's doing. And, you know, if you watch, Wes is staying positive, right? Even though some things year one and even now, you, you know, part of year two aren't going the way he wants them to go sometimes, but he's positive because he knows where this program is headed. That's putting it in the oven. And you you can't want microwave results. Uh, somebody tweeted at me. Well, how come Sean Miller goes to Xavier in one year, takes a group he inherited and wins, and West isn't? Somebody tweeted that to me, and I'm and I'm telling the guy, and he's you know I tweet with him you know often, so he he knows his stuff, but they're different situations. You know the program like you. Eloquently stated, JT was in a different space when Wes took it over. Man, right? Just, yeah, it, it different space. Man. Like rehabilitate a lot of things that were going on coming off COVID. And the uh, you know, John Brandon and kids. Yeah. There was just a lot of negative energy there, and Wes is so positive. It's like he just went above and just sprinkled positivity over the program, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sprinkling down to the foundation. Um, what's been most impressive to me with Wes is this. So I, I've learned from hugs that, you know, wins and losses come in the game of basketball, but how you embrace the, the community and the, in the university, the fan base is very important. And, and I mean, Let's be honest, there's been no one to this point that has done that as good as Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins, the community, loves Bob Huggins because he was out and about, he was talking with people, he embraced this community, the fans, and, and Wes is doing that. He's been very, very impressive doing that. And I think once that happens, you start to get a lot of energy from your fans, uh, the community, they give back, they give resources, which helps your program. So you get more. Um, potential NIL money. You get more things that help with recruiting. And to speak of recruiting, and and Neil, you said it very well. I mean, think about this next year. Think about a starting lineup with an even more improved Vic. Dan Skillings and Josh Reed, I think, got to be out there. And then you add a Jizzle, you add a Ray You know, I mean, folks, and they're not done they're going to be in the portal getting some guys. Yeah. True. Oh, this is going to be a much improved basketball team next year. Uh, so I don't know how you can't, of course, right now there are ups and downs and, you know, people are like, "Oh, we got to beat Xavier. This is four in a row. We've lost, you know, it's poor shot selection at times. We're not playing well defensive, but man, I, I I'm just looking at this stuff long, long term. And I, I think, I think we're in a great space and, I think the fan base understands that and they'll continue to support Wes Miller. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 ways to mentor. So let's jump into our second hot topic. I want to get your guys' thoughts. We're going to kind of shift gears. I want to get your thoughts on the bowl game coming up. Uh, JT, let's start with you It's shit. I mean, who's playing? <laughs> That's the
1: question, man. We really can't. Really can't. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't. I mean, uh, as we know, uh, Lenny Taylor, Josh Wiley, and uh, you know Trey Tucker have announced that they aren't playing. Uh, so that's big. You know, uh, guys like you know Dante Croyon got hurt. You know, before the last game of the year, so I highly doubt you see him. Um, but it's gonna be a different look for the Bearcats. But I feel like they'll be competitive, and they, I think they'll be okay against against uh Louisville for real. I mean, I know Louisville's gonna be coming. They're gonna be coming hot because they took their coach. But at the same time, I think the Bearcats on defense. Uh, we'll be able to slow them up enough, and I think the offense will make enough plays. So, um, but it's gonna be a different look, though. It's gonna be when you when you watch that game, especially on offense, it's gonna you're gonna be for people that aren't like uh, avid UC followers. They'll be like, "Oh, who's that? Oh, okay, okay, I remember him." But it won't be your your everyday guys in certain spots.
0: What do you think the difference is going to be with uh, Kerry Combs leading this group versus uh, Luke Fickle? Obviously, like you said, there are gonna be a lot of guys that are out. But you look at, you know, the Evan Prater and um, you know, what he's capable of doing. Um, and Corey Kiner in the in the yeah. back that combination, which everybody's been looking for yeah. those play together. You think there's gonna be a big difference of how Kerry Combs run it or is just business as usual? I don't know.
1: It's gonna be interesting, man, because it's I don't know, man. Like I I really wanna see like I went to practice the other day. Saw okay. a lot of different, I mean same stuff per se but you know how are they gonna call it in the game like it's gonna you know so it's yeah. just gonna be interesting so honestly I don't know man like I I will be just as shocked to see like I'm, I'm gonna ask Neil his his expertise on that but on that one I don't know man because you know Carrie I think he's gonna call defense and I forgot who's doing offense um Neil you can correct me um if you uh if need be but I feel like Carry's gonna call it a defense um for sure. And then we'll see who does offense, but eh, I mean, they'll have the pieces to do the same things they want to do. Honestly, it just depends on, you know, if they're going to do a different, they're going to attack it a different way, you know, because, you know, of course Ben isn't playing, we know that it's going to be at the Evan Prater show. So, and I'm guessing just because of Evans with his legs, it's going to be more RPO type, type deals with that. So we'll see. Neil. Yeah. I think as JT
2: mentioned, obviously, uh, you see three guys declare for the draft, and that's Trey Tucker, Josh Wiley, Lenny Taylor. I mean, obviously, those are three very big pieces on offense. But overall, I mean, you also got to think Louisville's without their starting quarterback, who has announced he will opt out of the bowl game and uh, declare for the draft as well, and Malik Cunningham. So, realistically, Malik Cunningham's been the starter since, what, Lamar took out? He was there when Lamar left. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there about five years now. He's been the <laughs> starter since Lamar left. So you really don't know who the backup is or what he's able to do, but I can tell you he's probably more of a pocket passer compared to a guy like Malik Cunningham who will beat you with his legs as well. But, you know, overall, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I mean, obviously you have both teams on the same sideline. The unique situation of we just took their coach <laughs> on top of that all that circumstances, it's going to be 25 degrees, roughly so. It's not going to be an environment either team likes to play in, outside of it being at historical Fenway Park. But, overall, I, I can tell you Kerry comes will be calling the defense. I mean, we talked about that uh, with him after practice the other day in the media scrum. But, overall, I couldn't even tell you who's calling the offensive plays, because I truly don't know myself. <laughs> but, I know, I do think it'll be, I think, overall will just be something you have to kind of look and watch i mean no one really knows what's yet to be determined come saturday at 11 a.m i mean we don't know who's all gonna be out there or whatnot outside the three guys that declared for the draft those are the only ones we know of yeah. so
1: I mean, the portal outside guys. of that <laughs> outside of that
2: yeah and the portal guys as well i mean outside of that you don't really know what's to expect i mean it's an unforeseen circumstance i mean this is one of the most unique situations in all of college football all of co- uh, college athletics i mean it's not every day you're heading into your final game of the season on a neutral site where you just took their old head coach and you lost your head coach it's one of those things it's kind of like you look at it and you're like what just happened
1: <laughs> true,
2: true. but overall i think I think to be determined, I think it'll just be something we'll have to find out Saturday at 11 a.m. I'm
0: I'm super fascinated with this game. Um, listen, I'm, I'm a Bearcat fan. I'm a Bearcat diehard fan, so uh, I'm watching regardless. I know there's some fans that are turned off by this game because, you know, Fickle's not there. Some of the kids have opted out. They're not going to be around. They're like, this is not going to be a competitive good game. But I'm fascinated with it because – I think a lot's going to come out of this game. You know, we've got to find out who's staying for next year. I mean, who's going to jump in the portal? Um, You know, are some of these guys that are playing in this game going to be around next year? Um, There's just a lot of interesting. I'm interested to see how some of these guys play. I'm interested to see how Evan plays. Um, I'm really hoping Evan has a lot of success. I think that will be big for the Bearcat football team for Evan to have a lot of success. And hopefully he goes into that game uh, very confident. So my prediction is uh, Bearcats win. Um, I'm terrible with uh, scores, uh, but I'm, I'm predicting the Bearcats win. Neil, uh, Louisville or the Bearcats?
2: Uh, I think ultimately I think the Bearcats do pull it out. But overall, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people expect it to be. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring 20 to 17 roughly kind of game it's going to be a close game obviously
1: JT all right I I went with the Neil thing I think I'm gonna give them let's see how they do but it'll be different people I'm go yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the three point I'm gonna say 23 20 Bearcats scrape by okay yeah. okay
0: uh we will see I think it'll be a a very very a uh, fascinating game to watch, I, I know for me. Uh, the Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. 93 Ways to Mentor is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in empowering youth in the greater Cincinnati area through mentoring, therapy, education, and financial support. To support, visit our website, 93WaysToMentor.com, or contact Derek Adams at 513 513- 310-1715. Fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Uh, we want to shout out all our sponsors again. Taxly, of course, Donahue Accounting Services, Greg Hoodin at Beachmont Toyota, and 93 Ways to Mentor. And before I forget, shout out Greg Hoodin again. Um, my mom bought a uh, Toyota from him recently, and uh, my dad needs a new vehicle and is getting ready to get one from him as well. i mm-hmm. um, couple of weeks. Great guy, man. Great guy to work with. And we want to remind all the Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk Podcast. Now, um, just for all those Bearcat fans out there, um, tonight, five to six, I'll be doing the Bearcat basketball podcast live from Mio's with Bearcat great, Eric Hicks. So hopefully fans can come out and check that out. Well, I'm going to tell you this. The buzz was already out um, during the shootout that Eric Hicks was coming back and was going to do the podcast, and Mio's is going to be packed and uh, jumping. I still – JT and Neil, I still got to get you guys out of Mio's, man. We got to get over there and turn up, man, get some some pizza. You got to get the Meech pizza. There's a Meech pizza. I mean, it's like um, vegan or something, ain't it? Uh, Look,
1: Neil, Neil could have a meat pizza, man. You got what's, you gonna, what's on this meat pizza, Alex? ain't No pork on that on that pizza, man. I can't do that, man. You nasty, boy. Nah. So, you <laughs> no pork, man. I'm a pork on my fork still, my like, guy. Nope. I gotta nope, it, nope,
0: until the nope. doctor tells me. JT. Out. JT. out. telling you, man. I want you to live a long life, man. How many kids? Got to three, free, man. Okay, quit that pork, bro. I can't. I can't. It's been so good to me, man. I can't
1: do it. I got life insurance.
0: <laughs> so that's all right. I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, you always give me something, man, whether it's the masterpiece issue, therefore you could eat pork. You always give me something every podcast, man. So the meat pizza, I'm I'm totally making this up that it's called the meat pizza. <laughs> um, but it's a uh, semi seed crust, uh green peppers onions, and grilled chicken. Oof.
1: Grilled chicken? That sounds healthy, though. That sounds healthy. But I got y'all me on pork with the chick with my pizza, man. I'm all, well, all. So, put Get on your feet. Pepperoni, ham, sausage. What? I you can do it bacon.
0: You yeah, get all with
1: the... I can. I'm man. with JT. You got to load that baby up. Load it up, man. Load it up. I might throw some pepperoni, bacon,
2: sausage, ham. Yeah, you got to load it yeah. up, man.
1: It's, it's going down. I tried to. Only thing, yeah, it's all pork, man. It's porked out,
0: porkopolis. <laughs> you know what? Um, we need to get a life insurance company to sponsor the podcast because y'all might not be around eating if <laughs> <most pork. laughs> we yeah. Hopefully, you all make it through the season. Hey, man, Good. we
1: just gotta pray, man. It's all on God. If God, if this God's will. <laughs> hey, Chick Fil A brownies that. and porkopolis
2: pizzas—we're set.
1: Yep, JT will it. get the reps on that. Yeah, yeah, and Chipotle uh, got got a, a sponsor too, man. Because I'll be eating a lot of Chipotle. That's my healthy. That's my healthy move right there. Chipotle. Did
0: hey, Chipotle's your healthy move?
1: Yeah, man. I don't get like sour cream and stuff, so it's
0: like pretty healthy for real. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're gonna we're gonna end things right. Then. The Bearcat Tip podcast is presented by Taxly. Taxly offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxly show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxly.com to learn more. Now, we will be back with another new episode, December 17th at 10 a.m., previewing the LaSalle game. Again, you can check me out at Mio's tonight, 5 to 6, with my special guest, Eric Hicks. And we want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Tax League. Go Bearcats.